0: Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited to be with all of you and talk about accountability tonight. But I do have to say you guys were having fun during announcements when they said the word single ladies. There were some ladies in the back doing the single ladies, oh, the single ladies dance. (laughs) She's like, yeah, it was me. I saw the shoulders going and I knew exactly what song that they were singing. Um, Yes, I'm excited to be with you. This is actually my first time teaching at Sisterhood. So I want to give a special thank you to Pastor Becca Ketterling for just allowing me the space and the trust to be able to share God's word with you guys tonight and like Beth emphasize this is a message full of scripture and I'm okay with that. I hope you're okay with that. I'm going to read a ton of scripture tonight but all of it is the truth and scripture should be the foundation that we build our lives upon and if I'm being honest, tackling the topic of accountability was like, okay, I can do that, but not everybody likes having this conversation. For some of you, it feels a little bit like a swear word, like accountability. Not the funnest conversation. It stings some of us. And so I just want to take a little bit of time to stress the beauty of accountability. And I wanted to bathe it in scripture because that is the foundation we build our lives upon And um, if that word stings you tonight, you're not alone. Our human nature likes to resist that word. And most of us, we don't enjoy being wrong. We don't enjoy failing. We don't enjoy disappointing people. But it is a part of life. And many of us avoid having necessary conversations to avoid the natural human feelings that come along with correction and accountability, but I want to flip the script today in life, in relationships, and in our walk with Jesus. Accountability is not only necessary, it is good for us. Accountability is good for us. So, today I'm going to cover why we as believers should embrace accountability and how we can live it out in a healthy way. How many of you know? You can have accountability conversations in a very toxic and unhealthy, unproductive way, right? We've probably all been on the receiving end of a a conversation where we were corrected, where it maybe could have been a little kinder, more gentle. There is a godly way to have these conversations. And so I want to pave the road for that today. And maybe you're in the room and you've never experienced healthy accountability. So this conversation scares you a little bit extra, right? Maybe your upbringing was filled with parents or people who shamed you, never showed you what it looked like to be accountable in their own actions even or words towards you. Um, I'm one of those people. My dad, I was a daughter of a single parent, and it was a dad, okay? Okay. And my dad, I cannot tell you one time that he has apologized to me in my entire life. Like, even to this day, my dad does not know how to have accountability conversations. We've come a long way, but still, I grew up in a home where this was not modeled to me very well. And I remember being a teenager um And there would be moments where I was, like, so mad at my dad, but he wouldn't listen to me, so I would just, like, write long pages of letters to him, and I'd, like, stick it under his door. And I'm like, yeah, read that, dad. And I never got a response. Like, it was like it just went under his door and disappeared. And I'm like, what? There was never healthy conflict resolution in the home that I grew up in. But I learned how to do it. And we all have to take accountability ourselves to learn how to have these types of conversations. Maybe past relationships have wounded you. Maybe they were toxic, abusive, codependent, just plain old unhealthy. Maybe you wrestle with insecurity. So accountability conversations feel like an attack even if they aren't. I wanna say if you are unhealed or wounded in your current season of life, accountability will be harder for you to receive. And if that's you in the room, I want to encourage you without any shame. Seriously, no shame. We're all in process. But I want to encourage you if you're wounded in this season of life to pursue freedom through one of our core groups. Or um, the Freedom Encounter is coming up on March 31st and April 1st. So coming up just at the end of this month. And it's an amazing two-day session where you can find freedom from those types of wounds and traumas and damaged relationships that have left you wounded. And so pursue healing because unresolved grief, trauma, and wounds will affect every aspect of your life. And how we react to healthy accountability often points to our health in our hearts, okay? And so one question you might be asking yourself right now is why? Why should I embrace accountability in my life? By definition, to be accountable is to be responsible for what you do and to be able to give a satisfactory reason for it and as believers our conduct and the reason for our conduct should glorify God, right? 1 Corinthians 10:31 says whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And when people ask us why we live the way we do, the reason should always be because of Jesus. The first step to embracing accountability is to accept the truth that we are all individually accountable to God. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is the foundation of accountability that we build our lives on. As believers, we understand that he knows the very thoughts that we have before we ever say anything. He sees what others do not see. Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Matthew 12, 36 through 37, this is Jesus speaking. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Every person will appear before Christ on the day of judgment and if we are believers in Christ our eternity is secure we will be in heaven but the way we've lived our lives on this earth will be examined by God and while we're on this side of heaven God wants us to reflect his image to the people around us and thank God seriously thank God for the power of the holy spirit right because i know when i am not Informed by the Holy Spirit, I do not like myself. I tell that to my husband all the time. Without Jesus, I do not like myself. The Holy Spirit helps us in this, okay. He sanctifies us. He makes us look more like Jesus. He speaks to us. He guides us. He convicts and he corrects us. That's part of his job. When we've stepped out of alignment with God's desire for our life, the Holy Spirit holds us accountable, and it is out of God's love for us that he does this. And we can trust that his plans for our lives, even when it hurts, are out of love for us and for the best interest of us. Hebrews 12:5 through 11. This is a little bit longer. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline, And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son or daughter. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover... Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And Revelation 3.19 says, those, wh- those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. The Lord loves those he disciplines. He loves those he disciplines. And his discipline yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now, discipline is another scary swear word. Right? None of us like to be disciplined. But I remember when I was walking through a season where I wasn't being obedient to the voice of God in my life. So you see, I was a hairstylist for nine years. I worked at an Aveda salon over in Eden Prairie and I loved it. I loved getting to do hair and I felt like I was actually doing ministry. I would pray over people when I'm washing their hair and they don't know the Lord. And I'm like, yes, Lord, they need you. You know, I'm like praying over them. Um, Baptizing them with the water. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I got to share about the several global teams that I went on with people that would never step foot in a church. It truly was a ministry to me. But through global teams, the Lord had called me to step into ministry in this type of context. And I remember being like, I haven't even paid off my student loans yet. That makes no sense. Like, I'm doing hair. And I kept doing hair and ignoring the voice of God that was saying, this is not what I have for you. I have something better. And then I started to feel a little bit of pain in my upper back. It's actually like in, in my upper shoulder, okay. And I was like, oh, it's kind of uncomfortable, sore, whatever. And over time, it got worse and worse and worse. I was going to a chiropractor. I was going to physical therapy. I had to cut my hours. Over a period of a year, I was suffering in like Physical pain, like you can ask my husband, there would be days where I couldn't even lift my arm. And I remember the Holy Spirit one day after just being fed up, like what the heck, I cannot even do my job. What am I supposed to do? And the Lord said, Daryl, I can heal you in one moment. I just need you to be Obedient. And I knew what that meant, that meant I had to pack up my hair supplies, I needed to quit my job, even though it didn't make sense at the time, I was the income earner for our home at that time, I was like, if I quit, we're, how, how is this even going to work, Lord? And I just remember the moment that I packed up all of my stuff at the salon and walked out the door, the supernatural peace of God that fell over me. And there was something there. I just trusted that he was going to take care of us. And he did. For two years I did not work. I just pursued my credentialing and the education I needed to step into ministry. And he was super faithful. But in the moment, in that year of physical therapy, his discipline, I truly believe that was from the Lord. Like some people are like, oh, no, the Lord wouldn't do that to you. Yes, in his love for me, he disciplined me because I was being totally disobedient to his voice. I knew what he called me to do, and I was saying no. And so he got my attention so that I would say yes. So first, we need to be accountable to God. And this builds a good and healthy foundation of humility and accountability, which helps us to then hold ourselves accountable. We have to be able to admit when we fall short. And can I say we all fall short? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And like I said before, I grew up in a home where healthy personal accountability was not modeled to me. So I had never had an experience of somebody holding their own selves accountable. Like I said, my dad never apologized when he would yell or lose his temper or say really hurtful things. I never had it modeled like somebody asking for forgiveness until I was working in the salon, so this is back before I quit. Um, I was standing at the front desk just checking people out and right behind the front desk there was like a nail room and several of our stylists and uh, other employees were in that nail room and they were all talking and I could hear them because it was like within an earshot and they were all talking about me. Okay. (laughs) And they weren't saying nice things, okay. (laughs) I was a little bit of a hot mess when I was there because I did not know the Lord. And so I was walking in a lot of trauma and pain and hurt. I was a mom of a young girl not knowing what I was doing. And they were, like, talking about how big of a mess my life was. (laughs) And I remember, like, going, okay, here we go. And I just, like, walked right past the nail room door and made sure they all saw me. (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, I heard every single word you said. And I remember just going back and I was doing my clients. I wouldn't talk to anybody all day. I was just mad. And I was about to leave the salon and one of the girls that was in that room comes up to me and she goes, Dara, can I talk to you? And I really didn't want to talk to her. I was really mad. And she was like, please, just come and talk to me. She brought me back to her um, esthetician room. She was an esthetician. And she had tears in her eyes. And she said, Dara, that was not me. That is not who I am. And I am so sorry for talking about you. Will you please forgive me? She has tears in her eyes. I was, like, shocked. I couldn't even be mad. Like, how can can you be mad when somebody is, like, genuinely crying and repenting and whatever? And I didn't know that this girl named Ashley, she was actually a believer. And that was the first time I saw somebody hold themselves accountable to a standard and it was God's standard, because she knew what she did was wrong, and the Holy Spirit convicted her, and she asked me for forgiveness, and that was the first time I ever saw someone model humility, model self-accountability, and like I said, I didn't know that she was a believer at the time, and so when I finally came to faith, it like clicked for me. I was like, Oh, (laughs) yeah, because I've experienced that where the Holy Spirit's been like, yeah, no, you need to go back. (laughs) You need to apologize. You need to do that. And, And she modeled that for me before I ever even knew she was a believer. And it just clicked, but it was seriously something that stuck with me ever since. And so we should live like that, leaning in to the voice of the Holy Spirit in humility, admit our mistakes. Sometimes it's just between us and Jesus. How many times do you say it? Sorry, Jesus, I missed it. Can you forgive me all the time? I all the time am saying that. And sometimes it's between you and somebody else, and you got to do the hard thing and hold yourself accountable and be the person that asks for forgiveness. But this type of personal accountability requires great humility. James 4, 6 through 8, and verse 10 says this Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace. To the humble. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. First Peter 5, 5 through 6. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives what? grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. This kind of humility goes against our nature, but God's grace is lavished on the humble. Hebrews 4.16, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. His grace is sufficient for us, So not only does this kind of personal accountability require humility, it also requires us to think rightly about ourselves. Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you, distributed to each of you. Galatians 6, 3 through 5. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each should carry their own load. Where are we at? Not where do we want to be. Not even where we once were, not where we are compared to other people at our table, in our rooms, in our workplaces, but where are we at actually. We can't address what we are unwilling to confess. And there is no shame in missing the mark. Again, we are all imperfect. We will all miss the mark. Just ask my husband, okay? He's standing back there. If you want to ask him how much I mess up, I mess up all the time. But we can walk in godly conviction and humility. And we can try to either cover our shame, which leads to greater levels of pain and often leads to shame and condemnation. Or we can walk with the godly conviction and humility that brings about a right way to handle self-accountability. Take the time to self assess with the help of the Holy Spirit and address the things that are impacting your heart, your family, your relationship, or your spiritual walk negatively. Again, this builds on the foundation of first knowing that we are accountable to God and that He wants to do this life with us, knowing that His plans are for good. We can look at ourselves rightly and with humility ask what David asked him in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. As we humble ourselves under God, as we model accountability by holding ourselves accountable, we can then in genuine love for one another hold each other accountable accountable. And there is a right and a wrong way to do this. To do this the right way, we need to examine ourselves first. Luke 6, 41 and 42 says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. We cannot hold others accountable if we're not first holding ourselves accountable. We can't ask people to do the things that we aren't willing ourselves to do. This is unhealthy accountability, and it stains the church. Can I say that? It stains the church. And it's responsible for a lot of people believing that the church is full of hypocrites, right? How many times have you heard that from unbelievers, that they think believers are just a bunch of hypocrites? And like I said, we're not going to get it right every time. But what's beautiful is I think about the fact that I was an unbeliever in the salon, and a believer was the first person to model humility and asking forgiveness. We can model that to an unbelieving world and not look like, Hypocrites. Imagine if Ashley would have never came back and apologized. And then I became a believer. And I'm like, she was one of the girls in the nail room. What kind of Christian is that? You know what I mean? Like, she actually modeled God's heart by doing the hard thing. So we must also remember that accountability in relationships must be. This is in all caps in my notes, guys. Make it in all caps in yours. It must be rooted in genuine love genuine truth and a genuine desire to bring out the best in people and we should always 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 pursue the voice of the holy spirit first praying for god's wisdom and god's direction prior to having accountability conversations colossians 3:12 through 17 says therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And again, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is another lengthy passage of scripture, so if you need to close your eyes so you stay focused, It's in Ephesians 4. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect, every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And final 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4, full of rich truth for us, challenging believers to humility, to gentleness, and compassion, and above all, Love, all while challenging us to speak the truth to one another. If this is not the posture of your heart, before you have an accountability conversation, wait. Wait to have the conversation. Give space for the Holy Spirit to get you to a place where everything that you will say is rooted in love. God's purpose in all of this is protective in nature. Godly community is a safeguard for believers. This community is a safeguard for you. We are less vulnerable to the schemes of enemy of the enemy when we are in community. And godly community is the answer. And so Proverbs 27:17 it's this theme verse for this whole message as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another. God's design for our human relationships includes sharpening, includes refinement. And how many of you know there is friction in the sharpening process? My aunt's husband is married to a Japanese man. And if you don't know, the Japanese make knives really, really well. And my uncle has very, very sharp knives. And my aunt came up this past summer to help me prep for my daughter's graduation party. And she was helping me cut all the vegetables and the fruits for her charcuterie that she wanted because that was so bougie this summer. And my aunt picks up one of my knives and she goes to cut like a tomato. And the knife like bends the tomato. It doesn't even cut through it. It's so dull. And my aunt is like, do you know how dangerous this knife is? She was just appalled because her husband is like, you barely touch the knife and you're bleeding. Um, But dull knives are actually dangerous. And as Christians, God wants us to remain sharp. He wants us to remain sharp. And as sharpening gets rid of the rough and dull edges on knives, so too are we sharpened by one another. Friendships and relationships in this community should refine us And should make us better. As children, our parents worked to refine us and mold us and sharpen us. In marriage, we refine each other. Amen? I know I'm way better because of my husband, and my husband might say he's way better because of me. I don't know. But we refine each other. As parents, our kids refine us. Can I get an amen on that? You become your most selfless self once you have a child. Just saying. It's a good thing, though. Friction doesn't always feel good in the moment, but it does sharpen us, and it refines us, and it makes us better. And I just want to note, we can do accountability the right way, and it can still be received the wrong way. But if we do our part well, if we've examined ourselves first, if we've prayed to the Holy Spirit, if we've leaned into his voice, and we've communicated the truth, even the painful truth, in love— The rest is up to God. We've done our part. Now we let that sit, and we let the Holy Spirit work on the other person. We cannot control or dictate how the other person receives accountability. I remember um, an example of just accountability when it's done the right way, how it can really change a life. As I said before, I was marked by a moment where a person held themselves accountable, but me and my husband— we were a part of a small group for a period of, like, seven years. And we became really close friends with everybody in the small group. And we just noticed one of the guys in the small group was just acting a little different um, when we'd get together every Monday night. And we just, red flags were going up. We're like, okay, something's, something's off. And we suspected that he was drinking secretly. And one night we were at small group, and he must have been drinking heavily. And he fell. He was visibly drunk and I was just like heartbroken because I was like I I don't I do not want to have this conversation we are the leaders of the group obviously you can't be drinking at small groups so we're like hey we have to have this conversation but also we love this person and this is obviously not healthy and it's obviously not God's best for him and his family and his wife and so we pulled aside his wife and we said hey do you know that he's drinking and she was like yeah but it's not you know it's not to the uncontrollable, well, he just like literally fell in front of all the kids, and i he's like visibly drunk, so we might need to have a conversation, and she was like, oh, okay, yes, so we had the hard conversation, we did it in love, this guy ends up going to Teen Challenge, becoming completely sober, free of alcoholism, as a result of an accountability conversation. And this is not to pat myself on the back. This is to say that good, healthy accountability can change lives. When you love people, you aren't afraid to tell them the truth. This man needed to hear the truth that his drinking was not God's best for his life and that there was a better way. And you know what? When you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, chances are the Holy Spirit has already gone before you and prepared the other person for the conversation that was coming, right? I've witnessed that several times where I'm like, oh, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to have this conversation, Lord. And then the person brings it up. Like, okay, now I have to because you brought it up. And we're able to have that conversation Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build, one an up, build up one another, just as you are also doing. In 2 Timothy 2.24 and 25, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed and in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Accountability done the right way leads to truth and life. It builds us up and it makes us look more like him as sisters in Christ. Let's strive to be excellent in godly accountability, understanding that, A, we are first accountable to God, that we are to judge ourselves rightly and hold ourselves accountable to his standards. And after that, as as believers, let us lovingly hold each other accountable so we can better reflect his image to the world around us. And that's the purpose of all of it. We are his plan to reach the world. And when we can get this right, We reflect Christ. We reflect Christ. So I just want to pray over you before you go into your table time. Jesus, I thank you, Father, for your word that is the foundation that we can build our lives upon. God, I thank you that we as believers can lead the way in what it looks like to have a loving conversation around accountability. God, that we don't strive for perfection, but we strive to please you. We strive to make you known, God. And you help us with the power of your Holy Spirit to do that. And so I pray for every woman in this room, no matter where they are on the journey, Father, that they would be open to receive and hear your truth tonight. God, that we would all strive to look more like you so that the world around us can see you in us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we pray you bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.